<laughs> we are not many me's. In other words, many gods. Right. I know that there's a lot of things that she's going to bring up in this video and that we're going to talk about. But that is a, a satanic message. Around the world, as promised, a remnant remains who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Remnant Podcast. So Jen Johnson is a name that you may not be real familiar with, but I'm sure you're probably familiar with Bethel Music and Bethel Church. They are out of Redding, California, and they are very, very popular in today's uh, contemporary Christian music and charismatic churches, really. So Jen Johnson and her husband, Brian, are co-founders of Bethel Music and Worship You, which it's supposed to represent Worship U University, but it's I think it's ironic because really, I think after watching some of this stuff, you'll see that it's more like Worship You as in Worship Yourself. She is a self-proclaimed prophetess, and she is a preacher. She goes around preaching and uh, calls herself a worship leader, a worship pastor. One thing I want to really point out that uh, I think if you're looking for it, you'll see a lot of it is fake emotion. And <laughs> what I mean is there's a lot of things where she's up preaching and um, it's sort of like her voice just gets to where it's very, it's like she's whispering with just passion and sometimes she just holds out every word for emphasis and it sounds sometimes like she's just on the verge of crying but there's never a tear okay and so it's i think it's one of those things where you don't even think about it because when you're watching it can be real captivating to listen to but if you actually notice that sort of cadence that is real can actually be taught <laughs> and has generated a lot. Um, I think if you look for it, you'll see it a lot. So here we go. What I wanted to kind of share with you today is um, the concept of what it looks like to be a child of God. And how when you realize who you are as a child, an heir of God, you act differently. And for so many years in church, uh, we have kind of embodied the mindset of the woe is me. And you're so amazing and wonderful, but too bad I'm lame. You know what I mean? She's an entertainer. That, that's really what is happening here. She's not really preaching anything. I mean, she's preaching, but she's not preaching truth. She's an entertainer. She's very animated with all this stuff. She's drawing in the crowd, but already she's completely wrong mm -hmm. about, you know, the stuff that she said. We ought to be like, woe is me. In yeah. fact, that's a quote from what Isaiah, the prince of prophets in the Old Testament said, woe is me. <laughs> I am come undone. He says, I am a man of unclean lips, and I have seen the face of the king. And anytime someone has a true reverence and fear and respect toward a holy God, woe is me is the only thing they can say. Yes. 
Because I feel like we miss on focusing so much on what, uh, what he is. We miss who we are. And think about it in a parent to child thing, you know? If, if, if your kids are like so obsessed with you that they never come to realize what they are and they always walk in your shadow and they never become their own deal because they're always like, no, mommy, I don't want to do that. I just want to do, I want to copy everything you do. Baby, don't you, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to, do you want to be a rocket scientist? Do you, do you want to be a chef? Do you, what do you want? I don't know. I just want to do what you do. I like, I like, okay, that's good, baby, but what makes you happy? What do you love, baby? I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Oh, what do you love? What makes you come alive? That's not a satanic gospel. I don't know what is. Yes. I mean, really, this even how she started that. And she's like, sometimes when we first start walking with the Lord, we get so focused on you. And it's like, well, okay, that's how it's supposed to be. And she says, and we forget who we are. And she goes on, and what we want, and all this kind of stuff. But, man, you know, my mind, I can't help but go to the verse where Jesus says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. In fact, I mean, what we are supposed to be, the very meaning of the word Christian is follower of Christ. Christ like us, that is what our focus and everything is supposed to be. Yeah, life before salvation is all about me and myself. And once you've right. gotten saved, it's focused Yeah, she's basically the saying the opposite of everything the Bible says. Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. <laughs> you know, seek whatever it is in this life that you want to do. That's the whole point of life. And it's so wrong. And, it's and the so reason wrong. I put that that graphic there of the devil horns you know is because it is very much like it made me think of the message of the serpent in the garden of eden it was very much like what what do you want let's let's talk less about what god wants and let's focus on you and you know i mean it was very obviously those weren't the words but it was a very in a lot of ways the same message it was it is know. the very same message she's actually trying to paint the message as though it's god saying it yes but it's the, it's satan saying exactly it. It's, it's, yeah. That's why I put that there. It's the same message that Satan says, but the thing is, she's putting it into the mouth of God as though God is saying this. Yes. We need to figure out what we love, who we are, and what makes us come alive and partner with who he's called us to be. Because ignoring this is almost, as I feel, a slap in the face to who he made you to be. I mean, honestly, what makes a Christian come alive should be the truth of who God is and the magnificence of who God is. And I mean, a Christian is not is a person who doesn't really hold back, who doesn't hesitate to tell you how, how unmagnificent they are right. and how fallen they are. Think about what Paul said. Paul said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what made him come alive was to tell the truth of Christ. Right. And I think it was Ezekiel talks about the truth of God being like a fire in his bones and he, you know, he had to 
tell the truth, you know, the true prophets, I'm saying. And I'm not going to say every single Christian, but what should make us come alive, what should energize our daily decisions and actions is actually service to God, not self. And she's saying, my point is she's saying, sir, what, what makes you come alive? And she's talking about like in the flesh. What mm-hmm. pleases you? What makes you happy? You know, pursue mm-hmm. those ends. Man, that's so, ugh. Very false. Yes. Very, very false. <laughs> I had this vision of worship one time. And this is nowhere in the Bible, I don't think. But I saw it, so I'm just going to tell you. There's a lot, the whole lot of stuff's not in the Bible. Have you ever noticed that? You're like, where is this in the Bible? But um, I saw this vision one time, and I saw corporately, I saw us worshiping, and our worship shot up to heaven up to God and, and the Lord stood and, and he absorbed our praise. But in the same motion, he held, um, a mirror like under his armpit. Yes. I think God might have an armpit. I don't know. It was there in the picture. I'm just telling you what I saw. Okay. Don't judge. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So he had this, um, this mirror and it, it shot, our, our praise rose up and it shot into this reflector and it shot back down to us. And he said, you are. So we would, sh- we would as you're we worshiping, we'd say, you're wonderful, Lord. And he'd hold, it up, he'd hold this reflector and he'd say, you are. So he would absorb what we were saying, but at the same time, almost in the same breath, he would prophesy back to us, you are, because you're mine, and you're made in my image. Man, you know, she, she started off by saying, this is not in the Bible, which is a very, you know, silly thing to say when you're supposed to be teaching the Bible and you're in front of a whole bunch of people. But actually what she said following that is in the Bible. It is. But it's not in the place that you would want it to be. Because let me tell you what Jeremiah said, and this is from Jeremiah chapter 14. God says, the prophets prophesy lies. This is a key phrase. In my name. So just because they're saying, you know, they're giving this credit to God, that doesn't mean anything. God says, they're going to prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither neither have I commanded them, neither spake I unto them. Listen to this part, though. They prophesy unto you a false vision, a false vision. And that's what she started off by saying. She had this vision. She saw this vision of people, she said, corporate praise going up to God, and God is basically saying, no, you are wonderful. You are great. You are all of these kinds of things. And then, you know, like she said, taking it out of context there, like we're creating the image of God. But that doesn't at all mean what she makes that mean. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I mean, I could get into the whole teaching of what that does mean, but it does not mean that we are little gods. Mm-hmm. That is not at all what that means. And oh, Let me say one more thing. It says, they prophesy to you a false vision, but the rest of that verse says, they prophesy the deceit of their own heart. The deceit of their own heart. That is exactly what this woman is doing. She's prophesying, so-called, or telling a vision of the deceit of her own heart. What she's telling these people is what she wants them to be and what she wants to be. Not what God wants them to be or what God wants her to be. Right. She's 
pro- she's preaching the deceit of her own heart. She's this is what she wants in life. She wants to be worshipped. She wants to be praised. She wants God to think highly of her. She wants people to think highly of her. It's the deceit of her own heart. As I saw this picture of our praise rising up and and God absorbing it, he not only became it, but whatever we would tell God that he was in declaration, that would shoot out across the earth and prophesy and say, yes, he is. So in one fluid moment, it would say, yes, he is, and so are you. As heirs, as mini-me's, if you will, of him, we have the same authority, the same signet ring as the king. Mm. (laughs) We are not mini-me's. In other words, mini-gods. Right. I know that there's a lot of things that she's going to bring up in this video and that we're going to talk about. But that is a a satanic message that you well what satan himself said in isaiah i will be like god i will be like the most high i will ascend up into the clouds like i will do all of these things and you know she's saying we have she says we have the same authority okay so a person might say well no i'm not saying that we're actual gods but if you have the same authority of god then you are god right the only person that has the same authority of God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's the only three persons yes. of the one Godhead that have that authority. You know, Christians, I will say for the listener, we have been given authority so-called to do things. In other words, we've been commanded to do things in God's authority. Anytime we do something that we're commanded to do, we're still doing it in his authority. But what kind of things? Well, for one, go and baptize people. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, we have been given the authority to do that. Preach the gospel, and then those that believe, baptize them. We've been given the authority to, you know, uh, teaching them all that I have commanded you, you know, making disciples and that kind of thing. But we haven't been given, like, she's literally saying she has the same authority that God has. That's what she's saying. She said we have the same signet ring, like she's the queen of heaven, Mm -hmm. you know, which, again, is in the Bible. It's a woman called the queen of heaven. And she's in hell now, <laughs> you know. Yeah. As you follow my voice and you step out in courage, you step out and you do what I am telling you to do, not only will it bless your life, but it will bring breakthrough of freedom for everyone around you. And that's something for you today. That's something that God's calling you to, and one of the reasons why you're here today is you follow his voice as you do and sing and say and move the way he's calling you to. You're going to bring freedom to your life, and you're going to bring freedom to a whole bunch of people. The reason I put that segment in is because it is a little deceptive because it doesn't really sound so bad in the beginning or maybe at face value, but um, I actually have friends and family that are associated with this type of belief system and religion. And the thing about it is, what she's saying is, by you doing these things, you will bring freedom to those people around you and to yourself. And the message really does give this sort of idea of self-empowerment. Like, I bring freedom to your life when I do this and when I do that. And it really draws away from 
God is the one who brings freedom. The gospel is what brings freedom to people. Jesus Christ and what he's done for us brings the freedom. It's not because I have done this, now you'll have freedom. Yeah, I've even heard people that think like this and that buy into this deception. They think they go to a restaurant and that restaurant is just blessed because they're there and all of a sudden people start pouring in. They just think that all this stuff, you know, follows them because they're just, you know. They bring the Holy Spirit. That's what they have said to me is, I am saved. I have the Holy Spirit in me. So where I go, I bring the Holy Spirit and they bring blessings in Jesus' name and they bring riches in Jesus' name and they bring whatever people are needing. They bring it. I mean, Paul. Greatest apostle that ever lived. Nobody debates that. He was beaten five times with 39 stripes each time. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked three times. He was hated. He was persecuted. If there was ever a man that you could say brought the Holy Spirit with him, it was Paul. <laughs> but it, it wasn't that blessing followed him everywhere he right. went. No, he had a thorn in the flesh even. It said the messenger of Satan to buffet him lest he should be exalted above measure. She's exalted above measure. Yes. She thinks so highly of herself. And that is also not a sign of Christianity. Right. Christian Christian people have always been meek, poor in spirit, you know, the things that Jesus said. Right. What you carry, you release. Our dad, Bill, um, Bill Johnson, Brian's dad, I call him dad too. Uh, he was in this store one time shopping and um, wasn't really doing anything, quote-unquote, spiritual, just being normal, super natural. Key phrase. Supernatural does not mean super normal. I know. Okay, let's just clarify that. <laughs> Words have meaning. Words have meaning. And they don't mean super, like, extra. It's like no. extra natural. No, yeah, or... supernatural means above nature. And yes. she's saying he was being, he was being like, super normal. <laughs> that's what she means, but twisting the words again, you know. This happens all the time. And uh, he was just, and this lady walked by him and just fell over in the aisle of a store. And he just turned, and he, he is not an arrogant man at all. But he gets it. He's turned around and he goes, I leaked. She says that and then she has a little giggle and a little shoulder shrug like this is some you know it's just funny kind of a thing but i mean i don't want to get into this too much right now but you know the people in the bible that fell out on the floor like that and shook around were the people that were possessed right i mean really you can go go through the go through the new testament there's about five people that ever just fell out on the floor two of them was ananias and sapphira and they died because they lied to the holy ghosts and the others was people that was possessed and it said the demon would throw them into the fire and throw them down all this kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. and she's saying oh it's because he leaked the holy spirit out on this woman no i can't define who he is to you you need to ask him to define himself to you So my God, God to me, Jesus to me, and the Holy Spirit to me is like the genie from Aladdin. That's who he is to me. And he's funny. He's sneaky. He's silly. 
He's wonderful. Oh, my goodness. I guess I'm going to do this a lot, ain't I? Man, I know. That's a very popular thing to think, but it is a what I would call a damnable heresy. We do not have the right, the authority, or the privilege to define God. That's why we have the Word of God. And it's not this... I believe in what we call a personal relationship with God, but it's not a personal relationship with the God of my imagination. Right. It's a personal relationship with the true God of Scripture. And this garbage, it's just garbage. I'm just going to call it like it is because she's a false prophet. This idea of, well, God to me, God to me, well, who is God to me? Listen, I don't care who God is to you unless who God is to you is who God is in truth, in Scripture. But the thing is, what she just said right there, and he's sneaky. He's a genie in a bottle. Oh, my goodness. I I know. Yes. I just often wonder sometimes when I hear this stuff, it's like, you know, I just think, man, God honestly is very merciful and gracious and patient because it's a miracle in my eyes that she's still alive. That's what I was about to say is I was even whenever I was telling somebody about the stuff that I was putting together, I, I, did, I hesitated to even repeat what she had said, much less be up claiming it as truth, preaching it out to a congregation. I mean, yeah. that's just terrifying to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible says God is holy. And that God is love, and that He's all powerful. It says a lot of things. I mean, it's it's very clearly laid out there, you know. But the stuff she's saying, you know, if you're watching this video, this is not right, my friends. This is not right. This idea that God is not relative to my perception of Him—that's right. a lie. I want you to get before God and ask Him to reveal Himself to you as God, as Jesus. And as the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to give you a sneak peek into my brain. A picture of the alien slash golem slash Aaron. <laughs> now you got to come up with your own pictures. So I'm just going to give you a, a just to kind of where I'm going with this. So I visualize God partially as Aslan from Narnia. None of you, Jesus, is just, have you seen the passion of the Christ? I view him as this kind man who's just such a great friend, who talks to me about anything and everything. And then I view the Holy Spirit who is just, gosh, you don't want to have favorites, but... You know, it's hard. Here comes the fake emotion. And uh, this will kind of probably offend you, but oh, well, it's what I see. I view the Holy Spirit like the genie from Aladdin. And he's blue. Unplanned. Perfect. I'm going to have a clicker. How many times do you do that? And he's funny. And he's sneaky. And he's courageous. And he's everywhere. And he's wonderful. He's wonderful. And he's a comforter. He knows what I need in every moment. I can just curl up and just lay on him. 
I just wanted to comment about this, this where she closed out with this Holy Spirit thing and the genie and all that and gets into this, what you got you call fake emotion and all that it is. And I'll tell you something else that she's doing too. It's like this mental jujitsu move that she does where she'll say a bunch of blasphemous things, but then at the end be like, and he's wonderful. Yes, exactly. And he's powerful. So she's like, she'll throw out a bunch of things that's sneaky. She said silly, all these kinds of things. And then, but... Oh, but he's wonderful, and it's like, just because she closes with something like that, what, are we supposed to ignore all of the blasphemous things you just said? It's exactly what she wants. Yeah, that is what she wants. You know the scene in Revelations where the angels circle the throne, and they say, holy, and you just, it's this reverent, like, holy, every time they, they circle the throne, they say, see a new side of his face, and they're just taking him back, and... It's all they can do to say, holy. I thought of those angels circling that throne, and I thought, I bet they text each other. I bet they have farting contests. I just want to make sure everybody catches that there's going to be several clips here but she's literally referring to god as satan now i know that people are going to say that's just a term that's just a phrase people use when they're like you know it's supposed to be funny in a way you know get behind me satan but she will say several times here i knew it was god you know or you know when the holy spirit you learn to hear the holy spirit you know his voice and i was like get behind me satan even if it's a joke, even if... No, you can't you know, joke which, with stuff like that. Man. You know, again, the Bible says fools mock at sin. Fools make a mockery of sin. You know, it's a very foolish. It's a sign of a, it's a sign of a false prophet, an entertainer, you know. He's going to just, without reserve, say the blasphemous things. Yes. And this, even what she said earlier about the angels and stuff. You know, if people had the right understanding of what Jude is talking about, even Jude, the book of Jude condemns that. And honestly, that passage is the, it's a scene that is painted in, uh, I think it's Revelation chapter 5, and it's where the they are worshiping Christ, who has fulfilled all of the things that the Father had sent mm. him to do, and she's saying that kind of stuff. You can't even repeat it. And feel I hope so okay much that people will quit following her. I know. You know how you just plop your Bible open and you're like, Lord, speak to me here, you know? Put your finger down. It's like something crazy. You're like, okay, not today, Satan, you know? But I... <laughs> what do I do? And the Holy Spirit said to me as loud as I can ever remember, stop budgeting. And I was like, get behind me, Satan. Not today, devil. No. But I knew it was God. So, of course, you're like, get behind me, Satan. Because that sounds terrible and not the Lord. But I knew it was him. Mm. Oh. <laughs> it's oh terrible. Goodness. It's terrible. And, you know, watching this, putting all this together... It's sad to me, on one hand, that people hear this and it doesn't stand out to them. They don't see it. 
the deception. And on the other side, it is surprising to me that it doesn't take so much more to be deceptive. Like to me, these things are so obvious that people would say that's not of God, Mm -hmm. but, but something about it. I don't know. I guess it's the rest of the message that God wants you to be rich and healthy and, you know, popular. And maybe that's why people overlook this stuff. I don't know. Personally, my opinion, it's not the message. It's her. It's if, okay. If a crack addict, rock star tomorrow stood up well we've seen it happen and said he's saved he could fill churches and people would listen to him almost no matter what because they and again the bible says this the people want to hear this kind of stuff and they want to hear it from someone who in their mind is talented singer songwriter musician famous you know brave she can She's a public speaker. She's all of this kind of stuff. They they are her disciples. They're not disciples of Christ. Mm-hmm. She has made disciples of herself. Honestly, that's it. That's why it's the cult personality mentality. People will follow people faster than they'll follow the truth of God. Right. And so she could stand up there and say pretty much anything she wants to, and they're going to sit and listen because in their minds – Oh, we, oh, I shook Jen Johnson's hand today. Oh, we go to Jen Johnson's church, you know. Like, they mm-hmm. want to attach themselves to this fame. Yeah. You know, that's really what it is. Have you ever had a thought in your mind that you know is the Lord, but it, like, gets kind of stupid? Have you ever heard something you're like, this is so dumb, but I know it's you? I know that's you, Lord. I know that this stupid thing is you. I just, I knew it was him. I could, I could feel this was him, but it, it offended me because it was stupid. The Bible says all manner of sin shall be forgiven of man, even blaspheming the son of God. But it says blasphemy of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this world or the world to come. And that is, that is what she's doing, you know? That is what she's doing, by because she's saying the Spirit spoke to me, and but it was I'm not even going to repeat it, you know. Yeah. And she keeps saying it and keeps saying it, and she has no fear of saying no. It. But it, that is a type of blasphemy. Now I think ultimately what the Bible is getting at is just the resistance to the Holy Spirit and stuff like that. But it is she's this is a type of blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, and she does it just completely, completely irreverently. And of course, you know, so many other things from the Bible come to my mind. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. She has no fear of the Lord. Right. She has no fear of the Lord. But don't discount when you're at Target and you look at the lady checking out your groceries or whatnot and you just smile her and tell her she looks beautiful today. Yeah. That can be the most prophetic thing you do. The world is waiting for someone to cut through the nonsense and speak the word of the Lord to their life. And sometimes it's as simple as looking across the counter to someone and saying, you're so beautiful. 
we called out the goodness and the golden people. Yeah. Prophetic isn't calling out people's junk. Anybody can do that. The prophetic is going, hey, I, I don't care about this. This is who you are. This is what God's called you to. And you call them up and out of it. Can I just say real quick that she's redefining all the terms. Yes, that's what I was trying to point out there, that prophecy is not encouragement. I mean, prophecy can be encouraging, but it doesn't mean to go to somebody and tell them you're you're pretty, you're beautiful. I mean, that's why I was putting those images of like, it was supposed to look like Moses and the prophets and stuff. Can you imagine if that was the book of Daniel? Can you imagine Moses (laughs) going up to Pharaoh and saying, prophecy is not me calling out all your bad junk. Pharaoh, you're beautiful. No. Can you? I God mean, how said, empty "Go and is tell that? him he's a sinner, and if he don't let my people go, I'm going to destroy him." In fact, let me tell you what prophecy is in the Bible. Go and read them for yourself, my friends. Go read them. They are all pronouncements of judgment impending. Right. That's what they are. Go read them. It, it, uh, think of Jonah, the prophet Jonah. What's his prophecy? If you don't repent, Nineveh, in forty days, God's going to destroy this place. That's his prophecy. Right. His prophecy is Israel. If you don't repent of your, you know, if you don't turn back to me and my commands, I'm going to let Babylon take you captive, and they're going to destroy your families and your homes and your land. That's prophecy. Go read them all. I mean, yes, there are some prophecies that are like Christ is coming again, or that a Messiah would come, and so they're encouraging in that sense. But there is no prophecy in the Bible. It's anything like what she keeps calling the prophetic and the prophecy. She's just redefining all the terms. Yes. Their favorite verse to use is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. And that's how they try and explain that prophecy is really just a matter of being encouraging sometimes. Yeah, well, it's not. It says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. And now jump to verse 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men unto edification and exhortation and comfort. But here's the thing with the Bible, my friends. You cannot take, if you want to know what that really means, you got to read the whole chapter. Right. Well, edification, what like what, what does that mean? Edifying them up, like in other words, encouraging them up. And I've said this before in a sermon. Prophecy in this case doesn't mean saying something like, oh, you're going to be such a great basketball player, you should go to the NBA. Right. That's not the kind of edifying and exhorting and comfort that he's talking about. Well, just to prove my point, if you read the whole chapter, he says it about four times in the following verses to the edification of the church, of the church, of the church. He says it four times, three or four times, and then he ends up saying, if you prophesy and there one and someone comes that doesn't believe or is unlearned, he is convinced of all and he is judged of all. Now that tells you what kind of prophecy he has in mind. Convinced means convicted, by the way. That's what it means. That can mm-hmm. mean convinced of the truth, but it also is the same word as sometimes used as convicted. But it does not mean at all. Go up to people and be like, you're beautiful. You and prophesied today. And I, yeah, and say, that's oh, what I she prophesied just said. today. She said that may be the most prophetic thing you do all day. Yeah, no. <laughs> this prophecy in the Bible is always in a spiritual context. Even the edification, the exhortation. Well, what does it mean, like exhort- exhortation? Well, like it says... To encourage one another to continue in the ways of the Lord, exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and building one another up in your most holy faith. It's not saying, man, I love those flip-flops. Woo, I mean, what a prophet I am. Right. It's not that, man. Uh-huh. What we're about to watch here is, that's what I've got up at the top, 
it says textbook definition of denial because in this religion they teach that you what she's going to say is you prophesy your way right out of a bad situation by basically just being in denial like no i am not sick or in this case what she uses is i am not overwhelmed and it's like that's not biblical but they use that verse life and death is in the tongue and i've heard that so many times from people caught deceived by this religion and this idea she will say that this is a form of prophecy like you take yourself in a situation and rather than say something like i'm sick today i have a fever i'm sick you prophesy your way out of that and you say i am not sick and she calls that biblical prophecy and they use that verse to teach that that that's what you're doing is you have life ability in your own words you have life and death in the tongue that's what they say yeah well that's not the meaning of that verse right there's a lot of that verse comes out of proverbs um and all three proverbs there are tons it's this is laden with metaphors mm-hmm. i mean it uses it describes wisdom as a woman doesn't literally mean wisdom as a woman it also describes foolishness as another woman, and it's juxtapositioning them two against each other. And so this, it's loaded with metaphors, but if you really want to understand the meaning, honestly, it's very simple. It doesn't mean that I can say to a seed that hasn't even been planted, live, and it live. Right. It doesn't mean that. But what it means is like what James says, to be careful how you speak to people. And to tame your tongue. It's not about this metaphysical power is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can encourage you right now. And these, you know, this new movement would say, I could speak life over you. But all that really means is, man, I can encourage you. I can edify you. I can build you up. I can, you know, mm-hmm. be kind, be kindly affectioned and all that kind of stuff. Or I could just be horrendous towards you. And so does my words actually have power? I mean, yeah, I can hurt your feelings with them but does it have the kind of power that she's saying right that it can change physical reality no right it doesn't mean that at all that's not that's means it's not what it means if it did mean that i mean thank god it don't mean that oh i know we would have all destroyed the world thousands of times i mean how many times have people said something like it's in a moment of anger like oh i could just die imagine if they all just fell dead right when they said that or you know all the other things people have said if we could really, I mean, thank God that she's wrong on this issue. Right. We'd have all just destroyed the world. How many times you got mad and actually cursed someone or something? I'm talking about before you was saved, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, I could go deep into it, but people understand that's not what the verse means. I sat down to the drawing board to write this song. You got it? It's not working. And I began to sing it. God, I look to you. I feel so overwhelmed were my lyrics. I changed the lyrics to, God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed. As a statement. Because even though I was, I was prophesying myself out of the place that I was in. And as worship leaders, that's what we're called to do. We're called to take whatever's going on in the room and in our own life and our personal life. We're called to take what's going on and literally prophesy the opposite and command the atmosphere to change, command the wisdom, command that to change into our circumstance. 
Show me that in the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I put that graphic there for. I was like, where are you getting all yeah, that? Show me that in the Bible. There's so many things wrong with this church and this, this, you know, this way of thinking. But the other thing is the Bible teaches us to love truth. Really? I mean, truth is the attribute of God. Um, and denying truth helps no one. Right. Denial is not spiritual. A spiritual man would look at the situation that he's found himself in and he would get down and pray. Mm-hmm. And he would say, Lord, because she said, first she said, I feel overwhelmed. And then she's like, no, I changed the lyric. But then she slipped again and kind of said, but I was overwhelmed. Right. And so it's like, are you confessing it twice here? God would so much rather you just say, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do in this situation. Mm-hmm. But how she handles this situation is further proof that in her mind she's a little God. We're going to command the atmosphere, and we're going to take what is this and turn it into this, and that's the job of a worship leader. Nope, that's the job of a worship liar. (laughs) That's what a liar would do. You know? A true worship leader, if there is such a position in the modern church, is going to be someone who prays in the sincerity of their heart for people to turn to their to God with a pure heart and lead in that sense, but not this stupid self-denial, you know, or denial of environment stuff, you know what I'm saying? How many of you know we need to practice? God God loves when we just try and hear his voice and practice that that flow of God. When you're practicing hearing the Lord, um, it's really a great idea to preface to people that you're practicing hearing the Lord. What's way better is to say, hey, I'm practicing hearing God. Could I share with you what I'm getting? It's unassuming. It's humble. Let me just say, um, where, again, in the Bible with the prophets of old, do you get this idea of they had to practice? Practice prophesying. Because that's oh, what she's nowhere. getting at. Of course not. Actors practice. Well, she's not even talking about practicing in the delivery. She means practice hearing. Like you may get it wrong. You may, j- but you got to at least try. If you get this feeling, yeah, like no, God's tell- that's no. what she's meaning here. No, they didn't have to practice hearing. They had to practice obeying, perhaps. Right. <laughs> but they didn't practice hearing. When God spoke to these people, they knew God just spoke to him, and they knew what He said. And then oh, they yeah, had to go no and denying. say, "Thus saith the Lord." Look at how many people followed Isaiah around. Zilch. Right. Ezekiel, none. Elijah, none. He was excommunicated. Which prophets, because this all happened in Israel, which prophets was the people clamoring to hear? False what, prophets. The false prophets. Mm-hmm. The false prophets. <laughs> Simply say this. You know what? I'm practicing hearing the voice of God. And I just wanted to tell you that when I looked at you, I just felt this. And what it does is it opens people up to the fact that you're human and you're practicing. And you would be surprised that the lady at the grocery store, that you're checking out your groceries and you just feel something for her. I I don't know what this means. And I'm practicing hearing God, but I just see a sunflower over you. Does that mean anything to you? You know, you got a funny clip in there and all that, but honestly, this is, people are going to be like, oh, come on, man. But this is paganism, what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. It really is. 
I mean, you go back and look at the so-called oracles and prophetesses and priestesses of ancient religions and all this, and this is the same kind of junk they did. I see a sunflower over you. Does that mean anything to you? Mm-hmm. This and the, you know, like the, they're reading the bones and oh, there's an eagle flying. God don't need you to practice prophesying to people. If he wants you to tell somebody something, I guarantee you're going to know it. Mm-hmm. We, we practice obedience, you know. I mean, oh, yes. goodness. How many times am I going to do this? <laughs> Maybe a prophetic word isn't some, you know, massive thing or a direction for someone's life. Those are good things, you know, riskier. But God loves risk. I'm practicing hearing the voice of God, and I just want you to know this is what I'm getting. And it takes the pressure off God if it's wrong. And it takes the pressure off God if it's wrong. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. But the prophet, which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. You know, she's framing this up like she's innocent. Like, preface it by saying, you know, I could be wrong, but I think God's telling me this, that, or the other. Is there a is there one verse you know of where a prophet went to tell the people something said, Hey, listen, I could be wrong about this, but I think God's telling me to tell you this. Right. They didn't do that. Right. Prophecy is not him hawing around, preface it this way. When when you think that you gotta preface what you're gonna say, that tells me already God ain't told you this. The prophets they called it the burden of the Lord. Like it, it was heavy upon them. This wasn't there was no mistaking in their minds what they were supposed to do and not supposed to do. And the fact that she's saying, you know, perhaps it like maybe it is, maybe it isn't. She's just feeling her way through her people. And it's like a, it's like a, it's a Jen Johnson religion we're learning about here. It's, this is not a Bible. Yeah, you don't this get is not any Bible of this. Based. You don't get any of it out of the Bible. No. Usually the Lord makes it really clear when I'm preaching what I'm to preach on because I, I do speak a lot. So I titled this Wife, Mom, Leader. Obviously not all of you are women, which is not a problem. I'm really excited that guys are here too because um, a lot of this is not just about or for women. The reason I put those two parts in is because it is ironic and silly to me even when... A woman preacher gets up and says, the Lord told me what I should preach. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say impossible because I know people always bring up Deborah. Mm-hmm. You know? but, uh, they bring up Deborah, but they've also never studied why God did that that time. Right. They just bring it up. And here's the thing. The ex- exception proves the rule. Deborah is the exception. Right. <laughs> but it proves the rule. Deborah was an exception for an accepted cause for a specific purpose. But however, if we want to know what does the Bible teach, we go to the books that say specifically something on it. Mm -hmm. And I know this is so unpopular, but it's not a, I only stand on it because it's what the word of God says. 
It wouldn't be in my own wisdom, most likely. But I know that it's right. That God says, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be silent in the churches, basically. It doesn't mean that women can't speak at all, but it's about preaching. There's not a woman preacher in the New Testament, and there's not even a woman preacher in the Old Testament. And so people are like, are you against woman preachers? No, it's not really that. I'm pro-Bible. That's the difference. I have no problem with women in any shape, form, or fashion. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. And I know that you know this will be the most controversial thing probably we talk about. But, my friends, at the end of the day, we either have to trust in the wisdom of God or not. Because that's what it comes down to. Right. So the Bible says a lot of things that may be hard. But when you find yourself arguing against a clear verse, you're in a dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. What we ought to do first is come reverently to the verse, to the Word of God, and say, Lord, help me to understand this. I want to, I want to obey it. And I want even to keep your word. We- even when we don't understand, that's what that verse means when it says, lean not on your own understanding. That's right, yeah. But what it seems to say on the very surface, you start right there and say, well, until God gives me a different understanding on that, through the Word of God, not through feeling my way in darkness here, but I'm talking about through prayer and the Word of God, then I'm just going to obey what it says. Now, there's a lot that it says about it. Mm-hmm. That's not the only places that that verse is there. It's three different places that that is dealt with. And in one particular place, the whole concept is couched in the truth of what really happened in the Garden of Eden. Bottom line, I do want to say this. If we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then you cannot be pro-women preachers. Mm -hmm. It's an untenable position. And I don't even care what translation you're reading. They all say the same thing. Generally, enough to say, well, you can't really be pro-women preaching, especially in mixed congregations and this kind of stuff. This is not right. And, you know, that truth alone ought to tell people to just not hear what she's saying on that stage. Women can do amazing things. And the Bible does have a calling for them that's spelled out. Mm-hmm. Um, ministry if you want to call it that and I find that when you really examine women who are going against that they feel drawn to be more of a wife and a mother and to be home and to be with their children inwardly and they actually have to resist this inward call and convince themselves no God's got a greater purpose for me out there it's so funny that you're saying that because the last half of this segment right here is about seven or eight clips of her saying exactly that. Well, I'm not surprised because mm-hmm. I, we've seen it so many times with people. Uh, you know, it's you're created by God, you mm-hmm. know, and God created you to be happy in the positions that he created you to be in. It's a right. beautiful thing. And, you know, so many women do, you know, it, it, but it's just evidence of the truth of of the word, the truth of the grace of God, even. And it's, you know, when women, they also evidence the truth of it by saying, you know, really, my heart was being torn in half here. Well, let me tell you something. Anytime your heart's being torn in half, uh, stop doing that. Stop tearing it. Yeah. Go go the way of the Lord here, man. Don't convince yourself by the deceit of your own heart to go out and do this because, oh, you know, God can't do it without you. He needs to win. Man, there's, just, there's plenty of men preachers today. Mm-hmm. that God will send. We get so wrapped up in looking for the right answer for everything. 
Stay at home mom. Work mom. Work mom, bad. Stay at home mom, good. Wrong. Both right. When I had our first baby and we were in ministry, I remember I went up to hang out with Stacy at our friend's house in Reading. And I was really discouraged because as a woman, um, I had so many dreams in my heart. I was so happy to be married and to, be have, to have a baby. And, but I really, I, I had such a passion to lead the church and to whatever God was doing that I would just guide them and lead them. It was just, you know, my dream. And I think I was like 20 years old. And, you know, people started kind of really giving me these negative words about having kids and being a woman in ministry and what that meant. And um, I remember Stacy came and, and sat down and, and she said to me, um, I think I was crying. She said, this is going to look however the Holy Spirit wants it to look for your life. There's not going to be a pattern. It's not going to be this or that. It's, you're going to break a mold and you're going to follow the Holy Spirit to whatever your life's supposed to look like. And I remember it literally, it set me free that day in a massive way because I hadn't seen it modeled, you know, to, to be a woman and to be feminine and to lead and to lead with your husband. Just a lot of the things that um, I really dreamt of doing. And Stacy just, I remember she just came in, like, slammed this word of, like, no, you will follow the Holy Spirit and he will lead you to make a way. Here we are, uh, happy, happy. And we have three kids who are so cute. I'm about to Skype them after this meeting, so I'm pretty excited for this session to be over. Because I cannot wait to Skype them. My phone is ready. Uh, we have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a just-turned-four. Oh, I miss him. I, I just remember asking the Lord, like, okay, God, I know that, um, that you've called me to not just be a stay-at-home mom. And then I started to question myself, like, gosh, should I just stop everything? Like, should I not leave my kids sometimes? Like, all these thoughts started you know, going through my head and I just knew it was not the Lord's heart, but I was just really wrestling. And I remember I was, we had just finished a conference here and we were getting on a plane to go to a trip and I was just depressed and feeling like, gosh, I'm the something's off, you know? And so I was just like, you know, crying, but I just felt the Lord and kissed the babies, left them with my mom. And I'm, and went to get on this plane. Well, another wave of it hits me. Like, I'm just so sad, like, to, to have left them, you know, and I'm just so sad. And I knew it was what you're supposed to do, but still so sad. And just going through all those emotions again of like, oh gosh. And I think as a young person, I had so much passion and I had so much drive to literally change the world. And I still do today, this day. It's why I'm out on this tour and not home with my kids right now. But I was emotionally just really having a hard time. And I was getting ready to leave on a trip. And I was just so sad to leave my kids. And um, I just didn't say anything. And I walked in and I sat on a little chair. And, and this one little guy... 
he puts his hand on me and he goes, God wants you to know that you're like a honeybee and you have to go out and pollinate or this world won't be beautiful. And you pollinate with the love of God and joy. And he just keeps going off. And I am sobbing, crying. Here I am walking in, just going, God, did you really call me to do this? Is, am I just supposed to be a stay-at-home mom, you know? And honestly, in my life, some of the most incredibly powerful, accurate words have come from third graders. Yeah. You want to say something about that? It's like, where do you, I mean, why do we even keep going at this point? It's like... <laughs> You know, I know there's and if you only knew all the stuff I didn't put in because it just to me, this was the most sufficient evidence to lay before people to be able to say confidently, biblically, she's a false prophetess, a false teacher, yeah. you know, all of these things. But there's so much more that could be added. The foolishness. That's what I'm saying. This is ignorant foolishness. This is. For the record, children don't prophesy. There ain't one of them in the Bible. At least you got one woman in the Bible that did it, but not a single child. And she's saying it happens all the time. In this segment, you'll see where she takes this idea that the Bible is insufficient. And that's really what she's preaching. That you can't find what you need today in the Bible. And what she's saying is, you won't be able to find what you need in the Bible that applies to issues that you deal with, but that's why we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's what she's getting at with all mm. this. The normal life, what do I do in this situation? How many people are wondering, okay, I get, I get the right answers for church, I get worship, I get, I'm, a, I be, I'm a good person, um, I get the rules, Ten Commandments, check. But how many know there's so many things in life where there's not the answer to it? No one's telling you, what do I do with this? What do I do in this situation? And so many people, you know, they, they're looking for a verse, which there's probably one out there for every situation. But have you ever just wondered, you're like, what do I do in this? What, what do I do with this situation? And you know, people say, the word says actually that, that the Lord was tested in every human way possible, right? Except for he wasn't a parent. Everything is in this book, but, you know, I haven't seen the word social media in this book yet. So... Yeah, well, the Bible does actually have answers to every single question you could come up with. I mean, it really does. Yep. It, it doesn't answer it maybe in the way that you would want it to. The Bible deals with the issues of the heart, and the issues of the heart apply to everything. They apply, from, that's what I'm saying. The Bible answers, answers it in principles. It yes. gives you a principle. And the principle is whatever the principle applies to, the principle is always the answer. Right. You know? It gives, the Bible gives us ethics. The Bible gives us morality. The Bible gives us, of course, all of that being truth. And so the Bible is fully sufficient for every question. Mm -hmm. It may not be the answer you're looking for. I'm, yeah, I'm but saying. if you've got a question over issues to do with social media, 
then really the issues are something like maybe lust of the eyes. Right. Or That's what I'm saying. pride of life. That's or, right. you, you have know, to know how to ask the question. Yes. And if you know how to actually ask the question, the Bible does have the answer for it. Right. Yeah, it does you know? Yeah, the Bible don't have the word TikTok in there, and so she's trying to sow these seeds of doubt exactly. in people's minds. Like, oh, you know, it says Jesus was well. She actually misquoted it. It doesn't say that. It just says he was tempted in all points, such as we are. But that doesn't mean that he was tempted in every single situation that you could ever be. That's not that's right. not what it's even talking about. And I tell you what, she's even misunderstanding and misapplying the word tempted. What what is the temptation here of having children? She said he didn't. He wasn't a parent. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you getting at here, Jen? That he didn't deal with frustration? Yeah, he did. What? <laughs> that he didn't deal with anger? Yeah, he did. He ran the money changers out of the temple. Right. What? That he didn't deal with trials of patience? Yes, he did. Right. So, like, what are you really going at here, man? Trying to undermine the word of God? That's what you're going at. Trying yes. to sow seeds of doubt in the word of God, which is that's the devil's main thing. Absolutely. I don't even know what else to say about it, yeah. but I, that's what I'd ask myself: is is this something Jesus would do? I, I guarantee you, Jesus wouldn't nibble on nobody's ear. And in <laughs> fact, I guarantee you, if somebody come up nibbling on Jesus's ear, he'd have been like, <laughs> "Come out of him, demon!" Right. <laughs> right. Around the world, as promised, a remnant remains who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Remnant Podcast. I've had enough of your garbage. I used to be so concerned with money when we were first married, and I, I was budgeting, and I'm very responsible, and I love being responsible. I don't like being frivolous, but um, I was actually poverty mentality controlled. And um, I grew up with a wonderful family, but a poverty mentality. Poverty mentality. And um... Men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. I just put those few clips in because it is very, very prevalent in charismatic churches nowadays. This idea that if you're poor, it's not what God wants for you. God wants you to be rich. Um, It's a matter sometimes of faith is what they say. Um, That poverty is not of God. And that just couldn't be further from the truth. I'm not saying, obviously, that God wants you to be without and destitute. But in a lot of ways, we've talked about it before, how when we have plenty, we are further away from the Lord (laughs) in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways, you know? And um, it's this feeling of feeling like, oh, I've got everything I need and I've provided for myself. It draws. It actually draws you away from the Lord, and uh, lessens your faith in a lot of ways. And so, I would go so far as to say that, to an extent, uh, poverty can actually be a blessing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And people misunderstand that you're saying like you're anti-rich people. No, it's not that at all. No, I've said before that I do think, and I've seen. There are people that can handle wealth and it not do to them what it would do to actually most people. They well, beca- they are still humble. 
the people that can handle it are the people that didn't desire it in the first place. Right. It just happened to them, like Abraham, mm-hmm. Job. Mm-hmm. Their wealth was meaningless to them. Right. And they used it as a means to help other people, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they, you know, people that are desiring, desiring fame, wealth, money, stuff, stuff like that. They're passing it's, it's 100% to... unbiblical. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. And if, if, I mean, really, if we just get down to brass tacks here, which one would the Bible prescribe that you pursue after? Would You'd be better off to pursue poverty, in other words, by selling off what you had and giving to the poor than to pursue riches. Absolutely. You're better off poor. I mean, really. You really are. No doubt the Bible says riches are a dangerous thing for most people. Yes, at the very least, approach them cautiously. But it definitely does not teach that poverty well, there's even even like her saying, I was very budget-minded, poverty mentality. No, budget-minded is actually how the Bible teaches you to manage your finances, yeah. to be budget-minded, yeah, to be frugal. And in that same message, she said the Holy Spirit told her to stop budgeting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Which her, is against what she calls the Holy Spirit ain't the Holy Spirit. Right. She's obviously getting her stuff from the devil. Right. I've had enough of your garbage. We got to um, a hotel one time, and there's a very famous person there. And I walked by the person, and as I walked by the person, the Lord said to me, "He wants to know. Um, he wants to know uh, three. There's three things that he wants to know what his mom's opinion would be. And I knew she had recently passed away. He wants to know what her opinion would be on these three things. And the answer is yes to all three. Just like that, I walked by him, and I just heard that, and just walked right by him. A consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. I've had enough of your garbage. With God, two plus two doesn't equal four. With God, two plus two, plus two, two equals, equals whatever, whatever the heck God he wants, wants it to, to equal. And that's God's posture and God's heart for you in this thing called faith. And this thing called courage, that you would obey him without a thought process. And my journey in God has been a daily adventure of following God without a thought process. I'm going to do it beyond a thought process, do it without a thought process. Man, this is so messed up, ain't it? Yes. This is like a, you know, this is what you'd call relative truth. But even what she goes on to say, without a thought process, without a thought process, without a thought process. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible puts a premium on truth and understanding and knowledge. And it always puts darkness and this mindlessness as as a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. In the darkness of their mind and having no knowledge and no understanding and all this kind of stuff. And this, this concept, this is very popular concept that a lot of people have of how you're supposed to live by faith is that it's just the blind groping at things every day mm-hmm. and that's just so opposite from the truth that's you know like this idea of just thoughtlessly following what that honestly is is again a part of her it's a symptom of her doctrine that she is god mm-hmm. she's her own god she gets these ideas in her head to do something. She says, as God told me, but, and she goes and does it. Right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? To them, the more powerful your faith, the more ridiculous things you're willing to do. No. Is really what they get at. And like she says, she gives this story about how a man was 
he looked out in the congregation and he saw this elderly man and the Holy Spirit told him to go nibble on that man's ear. And so in faith, just not thinking about it, you just got to do it. And he went and nibbled on a man's ear. And another one is she said that she was in worship and she was led by the Holy Spirit to take, there was a couple standing behind her and she was supposed to take them. And she did this, took them into the back room and got a bowl of water and started splashing them in the face <laughs> with water. What on earth? And she said, you just got to do it without a thought process. And it's like... This is psychosis. This is psychotic. <laughs> I know. Honestly. That's what I put in my notes. Like, I knew nobody was even going to see him, but I just had to write it. I had to get it out. I was like, she is a psychopath. Yeah. This, yeah. Psychopathic. That's the word. She's yes, a psychopathic. Yes. That's psychopathic behavior. Yes. Let me, let me give you a piece of advice, my friends. If you want to know if the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something or not do something or whatever, if you really want a standard to measure that by, you ask yourself this question. Did Jesus do this? She she prefaced it saying, talking about how Jesus put mud in people's eyes. And so then she was going on with that. And yeah. that was her justification for Jesus or Holy Spirit wanting you to do things that don't make sense. No, that's so stupid. <laughs> I mean, I've heard a lot of people justify absolutely insane things by trying to say something weird like that in the Bible. But I, it, it, it's just a continual twist into the word, man. I don't even know what else to say about it, yeah. but I, that's what I'd ask myself: is Is this something Jesus would do? I, I guarantee you, Jesus wouldn't nibble on nobody's ear. And in <laughs> fact, I guarantee you, if somebody came up nibbling on Jesus's ear, he'd have been like, "Come out of him, demon!" Right. <laughs> right. So this is going to be several instances and examples of how self-centric her world and her religion is uh, just things that she really believes God, God spoke to her and told her things, everything from she needs to vacation in Hawaii to she <laughs> needs to wear an, a yellow shirt, oh, my you know, or <laughs> you'll see. I've had enough of your garbage. A friend of ours gave us this prophetic word. He's like, I know this is crazy, but I just feel like you need to go to Hawaii. And, you know, it, that's not a hard word to have a problem with. You're like, okay, yes, Lord, be it unto me. Amen, you know? And so I was just laying in bed, and I just kind of, Brian was brushing his teeth, and I, Brian was brushing his teeth and getting ready for bed, and I was just in my bed. You know how you kind of plop your Bible over and you read whatever it is sometimes, you know? I was reading the Message Bible at this time, and I plopped it open, and I said, God, just confirm this. I feel it's you. And so I was reading the Message Bible at the time, and I looked down, I'm like, God, just speak to me. I, I, I feel like you're saying to go to Hawaii. And the words leapt off a page. In the Message Bible, it said, God, God is your, your island, island getaway. getaway, like waves to your shore. I was like, oh, and I, my. I was like, baby, we're going to Hawaii. I've had enough of your garbage. There was this beautiful table in Pottery Barn. God bless Pottery Barn, Lord. Just lower the prices, Jesus. Father, oh, thank you. Amen. Thank you for the quality. And there is this beautiful table that I had been dreaming about owning. And I, I just was in the store in, in L.A. and speaking at a women's conference. And I kind of just went by the table and kind of like, I'll have you one day, my pretty, you know. I said, I'll have you one day, my pretty. And I, I was just, I had been a long time, I just dreamed of this table. 
And as I ran my hand down the table, the Lord said, you can have that if you want it. I said, me and what finances, Jesus? The Holy Spirit said to me, That's, that table is yours if you want it. And I'm not telling you to rush to the store and buy all the stuff you've ever dreamed of. I'm telling you, you got to follow the voice of the Lord. I've had enough of your garbage. And a couple weeks ago, I was just so drawn to the color yellow. And a lot of times I, I paint my nail whatever, nails whatever color I'm attracted to at the moment. And a couple weeks ago, I, I had my nails painted yellow and I have a yellow shirt I'm wearing tonight. And why do I tell you that? Because God is in all of these wild little details. I kept hearing the word apricot. Look what was in my gift basket. Apricots was in my gift basket in the hotel. I still really don't know what it means, but there are apricot colored balloons hanging all over this room. So I'll take it. If you're wearing orange tonight, maybe I'll prophesy over this you stuff later. Sounds, well, first of all, it's very Again, all I can think of is Jen Johnson is her God. Yes. Her, whatever she's thinking, that's God's thoughts in her <laughs> mind. She's thinking, you know. Well, she's her own God. Yeah. She looks and at she this pottery, pottery barn table and she's like, Holy Spirit's saying, I can have that. Yeah. And like, I mean, just, yeah, whatever she's wanting, she's like, it's the Holy Spirit. Of course. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she thinks that she is God and the thoughts that all the thoughts in her head, those are God. And God when is she's in the talking details. To, her, she, to herself, she calls it God. Yeah. It's, it's very, very messed up. But I'll tell you what else it is, too. It's the same kind of junk you get when you go to like a palm reader or like mm -hmm. a tarot card reader. A tarot card reader is like they flip out this thing and they're like, oops, you see you're wearing a red shirt. There's a red shirt on the card mm -hmm. and there's making all these connections as though, as though that's some proof of spiritual truth happening here. And they, you know, it's a it's a method of witchcraft, mm -hmm. really. It's a pagan way of religion. Go look at how pagan religions believe. That's that's it. Yes. In fact, I'll even refer you to a sermon by a preacher named Vody Bauckham, Paganism Infiltrating Christianity. It's exactly this stuff right here. Making spiritual connections through things that are completely not spiritual, mm -hmm. nor connected, you know, 